Welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Ready Yeti membership. We've grown to have thousands of products from some amazing up-and-coming brands. Anything from skis and snowboards, jackets, hiking boots, even supplements and snack bars. It's an incredible way to save a ton on gear with discounts of up to 50% off. Join the Ready Yeti membership and do your part to help support some of these incredible small businesses that aren't just making incredible gear, but are also putting a lot of effort into social action and doing their part to create an environmentally conscious business. Join today at www.readyyeti.com members and start supporting these amazing startups and saving a ton on gear. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with one of the owners of Alette Wallets, Adam Muscat. Adam, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. Definitely. All right. So for the listener that may not be familiar uh, with Alette, how would you best describe your business to them? Well, we are the original thin wallet company. Um, we started back in 95 and we kind of started the whole uh, thin wallet trend that there is so much competition in this whole industry for right now. Um, and, uh, and we manufacture everything in the USA. So those are the really two key things about our company that, that I think are really kind of cool and special is that, um, you know, we make truly, truly thin wallets and uh, they're made right here in San Diego. That's awesome. Now, tell me a little bit about your, your background. How did you get involved um, with Allette and starting to manufacture and, and sell thin wallets? Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, we actually grew up in a family that was manufacturing pasta. So our parents owned a uh, pasta manufacturing company. They did organic noodles. And, and uh, we grew up going to trade shows, going to natural foods shows. And I'd, I'd go on road trips with my dad and sit through sales meetings with him. And so um, my whole family's uh, grown up in that industry and and in that kind of entrepreneurial thing with both of our parents. And so it uh, was kind of a natural fit that, that uh, myself and a couple of my other siblings have always wanted to own a business of some sort or, um, you know, do our own thing and not, not go work for someone else. So, um, we kind of just fell into the wallet thing though. Um, because, uh, that really happened kind of naturally. My dad was sitting next to a woman on a plane and, uh, they struck up a conversation and within three months of that conversation, I was there working for her and her husband and, uh, and it, we ended up buying them out. So it was kind of just a natural progression that, that happened because of, uh, you know, them just having a really cool business and, and, um, you know, us, us wanting to get involved in something that, that seemed so interesting. Yeah, for sure. So when you started, what was your role? What were you doing for them? Uh, well, I was doing customer service and Cindy and Ken, the, the people who started the company, they, they really were teaching me everything. Um, they let me get a full look at the books. They, she would take me down and introduce me to the manufacturer and I'd work with him. So it was great. I got kind of an all around uh, perspective of the business and a good understanding of what was going on with it. 
Um, and I also just learned from her and saw how uh, how great of a job they had done at at building this following for the brand and and you know building a, a, a customer base that was really fanatics about what they were creating. That's so interesting. And um, in two thousand six, you and Bridget took over Alette. What was what was that process like? Uh, were you nervous at all? Was um, there anything that kind of um, you know, scared you about the the takeover? Well, it was it was uh, it was exciting, um, and uh, yeah, it, it took it took a while to get used to things um, because you know you're making decisions where you're going to drop you know a, a fair amount of your savings on <laughs> something like a, a a round of packaging or you know um, some new material or something, and and. You know, it was it was a little odd pulling the trigger on on you know big decisions like that, and uh, and you know kind of hoping that things would turn out. But um, but it was great. You know, uh, Bridget and I worked well together, and we knew we had a really quality brand and a quality product to start out with. So that really made the transition a lot easier. Um, you know, the the previous owners, Ken and Cindy, they had really really taken excellent care of their customers. Um, and they had made a great product. Our, our original wallet is something that was unique. It'll hold a ton of stuff. It stays nice and thin. And, uh, it's something people were really looking for. So it, it answered uh, a call that was needed. For sure. Now talking about like the marketing and exposure piece of the business, is it all direct to consumer or are you in some retail shops? Uh, we do both. We are in some retail shops. Um, we've transitioned a little bit more to direct consumer, um, just because of the changing market. Um, you know, it's, it's a different market today than it was five and 10 years ago. Um, but we've, we've done a lot of, uh, wholesale trade shows. We do OR, um, you know, winter and summer. And we, we found actually as a wallet brand, we can be successful in just about any industry because everybody carries a wallet. Um, we finally settled on the outdoor industry because it was just something that we were passionate about and something that we enjoy. Um, but really the, the, uh, the brand is, is, um, it's, it's the kind of thing that we could do anywhere. So, so it was just kind of a, a natural fit. And we started doing a lot of the brick and mortars and, uh, catalog companies and, um, and had a lot of success there. So we, we kind of have about a 40, 60 split. I'd say 60% of our business is more online and 40% is to wholesalers and distributors. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you take over the business in 2006. You also soon after bring all of the manufacturing in house. What was that process like? I'm sure that was quite the undertaking. <laughs> that was really challenging. And, uh, and, you know, we lost money for <laughs> for a good chunk of time before we actually made it work. So, um, you know, it, it's the kind of thing where I, I had watched it be done for so long and I kept thinking to myself of ways I could improve the process and things that we could do. Um, and, uh, you know, when we started looking for someone else to manufacture for us, once I saw the uh, the lack of of manufacturers that are doing it in the US it was it was a natural progression it was something where we we it was more of a need than anything um so 
we bought the machines, rented a space, and dove right in. Um, I was fortunate enough to have my uh, my manufacturer actually help me train some of my employees, and uh, and so he was uh, you know explaining the techniques and training those people, and then I brought them into my factory, and and it really it really took a while to get going because you know I'm not a sewer, uh, so so it. it it was a huge learning curve, um, but as uh, as we clicked along and and things got more and more organized, we we found uh, we found our way and and started to make it work. So now it's it's been about nine or ten years. We've yeah about ten years now. We've been manufacturing ourselves, and um, actually more like nine years. And it's it's efficient. It's fun and it runs itself pretty well now that uh, now that we've been doing it for a while. That's interesting. So when you decided to do it, did you raise any capital or did you just have enough saved up from previous works to know that like, okay, I know I have this much runway to figure this out? Well, we, uh, we started out, you know, just kind of on a, on a tight budget. Um, our parents helped us a little bit to get, to get a start, but you know, um, it was it was just a small loan and and with that we were able to squeak through and and you know um a little bit slow because of not having a large investment you know i think i see a lot of other companies start out there and they have investors and they're able to buy big chunks of marketing and really push their brand out there and for us it's been a lot more of a of a you know uh a natural build, a slow build where, um, you know, we're out there shaking hands and, and networking and trying to, trying to get our name out there, but we don't necessarily have like a huge capital to work with to do that. So, um, what we found was, you know, when we grew up, it was, it was really interesting. Um, growing up in that pasta manufacturing family, our parents had these machines in their factory that were massive and they had, you know, 50 employees and all the overhead. And in starting this business, that was one of the things that was really interesting with the manufacturing is, you know, you don't need a massive space. You didn't need, you know, a $500,000 machine with a mechanic on staff and everything. It was, uh, it was a bit simpler than that. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that was out of, out of reach. Right, right, right. Now, I guess one of the benefits of bringing the manufacturing in-house is you don't have to do these big production runs because I assume that, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but do you build to order or do you do do like some manufacturing runs and just based off of your expectations of what you sell, um, make up for it if you need to? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Normally, um, we have our brand. So we normally have our best sellers that we, we plan for and we build stock on all those items. Um, and then if there's items that are, you know, uh, custom that we do for someone or something like that, we'll build to order. Um, but typically we try and keep inventory in stock so that we're able to, uh, fulfill all orders very quickly. And, uh, and, you know, thin wallets don't take up much space on the shelf. So we're able to, uh, to keep pretty decent inventory in house without, um, without having to, you know, have pallet racks full of product and that kind of stuff. So, so it's um, normally we just keep things in stock. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, since obviously you guys manufacture yourselves um, and, and your demographic is the outdoor um, industry or people who are in the outdoors, how do you keep sustainability sort of front in mind um, with your business? Uh, well, sustainability is something that is really important to us. Um, you know, we uh, we work hard to try and source everything locally. Um, that's that's important to us. The less uh, travel for our raw goods, the better. Um, we also uh, have started using things. We, we've gotten our tannery. I was originally buying leather from a distributor here in the U.S. And then I started working directly with a tannery so they would custom make leather for us. Um, and we went from using chrome dyed leather to vegetable tanned leather, which is uh, healthier for the environment. Um, they use uh, different different types of dyes that are not, not made with chromium, which is very harmful to uh, our water systems and things like that. Um, you know, we keep a small team and we pay a good living wage and we really try and treat everyone in the way we'd like to be treated. Um, you know, there's always room for improvement, but, but we try and look at every, every little step that we do and, and clean it up and make it a little better. Yeah, for sure. I totally understand that. Now let's talk about growth. What has it been like since you took over in 2006 to today? Well, in 2006, we were, the business was being run out of uh, Ken and Cindy's garage, actually. They had a, a small little garage that uh, had a desk in it and a, and a little bit of product, and they were kind of making things to order. Um, we were getting calls all day long from customers who, uh, they, they loved the product and, and they wanted it in leather, and so... You know, we introduced when we bought the company, um, we introduced a, a leather version of the wallet and that doubled sales immediately. Um, and uh, then we started going into the wholesale industry because uh, the previous owners, Ken and Cindy, they really focused on just direct to consumer. Um, so we moved it more into a wholesale and started opening up a bunch of accounts with brick and mortars. And that also increased our, our you know, popularity with the brand and, and the growth of the business. So over the years, we went from, you know, we've probably grown to about 10 times the size of what we were when we bought it. Um, but, uh, you know, we've gone through different uh, stages. I've had as many as 15 employees working for me manufacturing wallets at one time. Um, and then now, you know, we have a team of four. So, um, but we're more efficient now with our team of four than we were with a team of 15. So um, that's one of the things with uh, with owning a business, it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, the, the size um, doesn't really determine what kind of success you're having. Always. Right, right, right. You know, I, I feel like as we've shrunk our team size and, uh, and, you know, grown our sales, it's actually been really positive for us. Um, even though sometimes it feels like, <laughs> it feels like we're, we're, uh, a little smaller just because of the size of our team. Right. No, I totally understand that. Now, over the years, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about building Alette? Um, I guess one of the hardest parts, one of the places we've been challenged is um, I work with my sister. She's my business partner. We're 50-50 on everything. Um, we both have pretty strong opinions about how things should be. And I guess um, in the past, we've uh, 
stepped on each other's toes a bit more than we should have. Um, you know, you, you try and you try and help each other and you end up impeding each other's progress. And so I think that's one of the, the things we've kind of learned over the years is to try and stay in our lane a little bit more, um, trust each other to do what our side of the business is and, and then ask for help when we need it. So I think that's probably one of our biggest challenges is, um, is knowing when to stay in our lane and when to, <laughs> when to help. <laughs> for sure. Now, how, how have you guys broken up sort of the roles? Uh, well, that's, uh, that's good. Uh, Bridget actually does. That's a good question. Bridget does, uh, the sales and marketing. Um, and, uh, I typically handle the manufacturing side of things, product development and design. Um, we work together on, on all of this stuff. Obviously at the end of the day, we come up with a plan and then, and then each of us goes at our, at our part of it. That's interesting. So I assume you kind of have more of an interest in the making part of the business? Yeah. You know, I really, uh, I really enjoy, um, factories. I enjoy watching, uh, you know, I I enjoy manufacturing. I really, I've grown up, I grew up going and, and seeing all these different factories as a kid. And I grew up working on the line in my parents' factory. So I really enjoy that side of things. Um, and, uh, and then Bridget, she is uh, she's very outgoing and she's a lot of fun. So she really enjoys the sales side of things where she gets to be networking with people and going to trade shows and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, we both do all of that. But uh, but, yeah, it works out really well. I think our uh, our skills kind of uh, complement each other. Um, you know, you don't want to have too many people who are good at the same thing. So, um, sure. yeah, it's 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 really enjoyable. And I really enjoy uh, the manufacturing side of it personally. That's awesome. What would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes that you guys have made up until this point? Uh, big mistakes. Um, I would say that, you know, at some points in, in the game, we've, we've grown at a pace that might've been a little quicker than we expected. And, um, because of it, I guess I I'd say we've maybe, uh, carried too high overhead at some points. Um, that's been something that's been a bit of a learning curve, you know, where you're growing at a rate. So you go and higher and higher and, and you, you try and continue that path. And, uh, you know, um, you, you, you got to find that balance. And I guess that's where, uh, it's sometimes challenging to find that balance. And, and that's where we've made some mistakes before in the past. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Growing any kind of business and really like understanding revenue now versus projected and then adding in all the different costs, it's no one teaches you that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's really, it, it's, there's, it's a balancing act. And that's really all it is, is, is trying to make sure you don't screw up too bad on any one Yeah, thing. it's so true. <laughs> and really, you know, uh, sometimes it works out great and other times you, you got to start over. But, um, but, you know, uh, with mistakes, something my dad always told us, and, uh, and I really, really believe this, is that if you're not making mistakes, you're probably not moving forward. Um, true. You know, Very true. And it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them and don't continue those same mistakes. Um, so, you know, I, I really, truly believe that no, one, no one's perfect, and you don't, you don't just click along and do everything right. So you just got to be aware of what you're doing and, and make sure you learn from it. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. What, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space, a manufacturing business, or really just a business in general? Um, well, I think that uh, having a really good idea or a product that you're passionate about um, is is clutch. It, it's something that, uh, you know, if you have that, then go for it. And, um, I think that, uh, you can find your niche and, uh, if, if you're getting in the outdoor industry, uh, the, the people and the culture here is really incredible. It's a lot of fun. There's good people involved and, and that makes it interesting. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's extremely challenging. So, you know, I, I think that having something that you're passionate about is, is crucial so that in those times when it's imbalanced and you're feeling down about what you're doing. You got to be able to, to know that, that you're into it for the right reasons. And, and that's, that's the biggest thing is just make sure you're passionate about what you're doing. You got to love it enough to do it when it sucks. <laughs> I mean, cause it does suck sometimes. That's just a fact of life. So yeah, it is. And it's funny. You don't, you like you, you comprehend it when someone tells you that before you start like a business, but then once you get into it and you're like, Oh, I get it now. <laughs> it's like having kids. Everyone tells you having kids is great, and then you do it, and it just gets harder and harder every year. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Well, I, I have no idea because I don't have kids yet, but I, that's what my family keeps telling me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's fun, but you know, it, it's challenging, and and you know, you just got to be passionate about what you're doing if it's going to be worth it. Otherwise, you know, it's easier to go get a job working for someone else. <laughs> oh, it's a lot less stressful, especially when you know at the end of your day, you can just sort of shut off your brain and not think about it. <laughs> That's the truth. So where do you see um, Alette in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? Uh, okay, well, I guess in the next year, I would really, we're, we're working hard right now on our, on our product line. We're doing some changes. Um, we're introducing some new materials, some new products, and... Um, you know, we, we plan on introducing some backpacks, tote bags, and um, some other carry goods. Uh, so our focus right now is is getting our line finished and out there and, and really making some changes because we've been uh, uh, we've been so busy with so many other things that uh, at this point I feel like our, our line needs a needs an update. <laughs> so that's what we're working hard on right now. Um, and then uh you know, our next steps is uh, we'd, we'd really like to build our international distribution. Um, we do a ton of business overseas. We actually have 37 uh, percent of our website traffic is from overseas. Oh, wow. And, yeah, we do a, a lot of business overseas. And, uh, you know, Made in America, it, it holds some weight in not only in the U.S., but uh, around the world. People people really dig that. So um, we really think it's important to uh have more international distribution we've we'd like to you know uh find another one or two distributors who can push our brand in some other countries um and then we also are looking to do more localized fulfillment for our overseas customers so that products can be received quickly in a timely manner and they don't have to wait for that shipping from the u.s over to wherever they happen to be definitely now what's the best part about running a uh, for me, it's working with my sister. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. Um, our relationship has grown and, you know, I can trust her. It's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, I could literally leave for a month if I wanted to, I don't 
really ever do that. But, you know, I could leave and know that, that I can trust my, my business partner and um, she can trust me if she needs to go. And, and you know, it's, it's just a lot of fun working together, uh, solving problems together and, and, you know, seeing each other grow. It's, it's, it's a cool experience. So to me, that's the best part of it is just working with my sister. That's really awesome. Now, um, were you really close with Bridget before you started the company or did this really kind of catapult your, your relationship? Well, our whole family's close. We've got, uh, I'm the oldest of six kids and, uh, we're constantly hanging out together. We, uh, we always, we always spent a lot of family time together. Uh, Bridget was, she was a bit younger than me. She's about a good, I don't know, eight years younger than me. So, you know, as kids, uh, I hung out with my brothers more and everything, but you know, this has really brought us together quite a bit more. Um, I always knew she was, a she was a, a hard worker and I knew, uh, you know, she was a, a go-getter and I've always had a lot of respect for her, but, uh, working with her and being in business with her has been a, a cool thing and, and it's fun to watch her work and it's fun to, you know, work with her. So that's awesome. And, uh, uh, Adam, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story and, and the story of Alette and, um, for anyone listening to this episode before November 19th, they can actually enter to win a bunch of product, including um, a wallet or two from Alette. Just head over to readyeddy.com for your chance to win. And with that, Adam, again, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing, sharing your story. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And it was great talking. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.